What's up, coaches? Head over to runthepower.com and go check out our free membership as well as our premium membership. Uh, go check out some of the installs that we do. Uh, we will update the free membership every once in a while, but we update that premium membership at least once monthly. Uh, show you some of our different installs and, and how you guys can use that for your teams as well as open up some Zoom meetings for you guys to talk to us and give you guys discounts on uh, some of our future endeavors that we have coming here uh, in the next several months and the next year. Uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletic programs around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Visit their website and start a 14-day free trial. And right now, Team Builder is offering coaches a complimentary in-season football strength program. As you may recall, the New England Patriots squat up to 90% of their one-rep max deep into the playoffs. If your in-season strength and conditioning philosophy is just to maintain, then you're doing it wrong. You can get the template once you start a 14-day free trial with Team Builder. Just reach out to them and tell them you heard it from us. Uh, go visit them at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode is also brought to you by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice. Worn by over 1,000 high schools like mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls' at Ankeny and over 100 colleges like Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. Most programs utilize them for their guys in the box to address the repetitive, subconcussive blows that add up throughout the season or an athlete's career. In fact, you can see what Lincoln Riley has to say about the caps and the linked articles on our show notes. They're also great for body blows, helmets to knees, hips, quarterback's hands, all while keeping the helmets looking good for game day and protecting speed flexes from cracking. Check them out at guardiancaps.com and request a quote from a great for great team pricing. This episode is also brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level. With new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communications at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Go visit them at sidelinepower.com, by email at info at sidelinepower.com, or just give them a call at 800 800- Four nine six four two nine zero, and then last but certainly not least, and if you're anywhere on Twitter, you've definitely heard of these guys. Uh, Sky Coach, Sky Coach is proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. Twenty four seven support, a flexible network that works in any stadium and any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. To be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Skycoach is the market leader in sideline replay. Visit them at myskycoach.com to learn more. That is going to do it for the reads. We are really excited about this guest that we have on today. Uh, On this episode of RTP, we talk with Dave Christensen. Coach Christensen is obviously the offensive line coach at Arizona State University in Tempe, Arizona. Listen as we talk with Coach Christensen about the great hires he made as a head coach, 
some of the pointers to improve your five-man pass protections, and his rules and tenets for coaching offensive line using his upfront offensive line system, which you guys can find on CoachTube.com. Hope you guys enjoy. in the state of Washington and uh, uh, went to high school up there then was fortunate enough to uh, be invited as a walk-on to the University of Washington. I played uh, for Don James uh, for three years at the University of Washington and then I got into my coaching and coached uh, at Western Washington and then spent a couple of years at the high school level at Seaholm High School in Everett. Then uh, went and got my master's degree at Eastern Washington, coached over there, came back to the University of Washington, coached two years there for Coach James, and I got my first full-time gig uh, at Idaho State University and, uh, and, and, and went there, got married before uh, I went to Eastern Washington, so my wife was supporting us the whole time. So finally, I got the big break, got the job at Idaho State, and uh, we took a pay cut to go there from just my wife working. <laughs> so it was uh but uh you know it worked out uh it was there two years and we got fired um from there we went to toledo and i was with that's where i joined coach pinkle again who was i was with at washington and i was with gary for 17 straight years 17 seasons uh, nine of them at toledo eight of them at missouri and we had great runs at both places and i was very fortunate because my kids grew up moved my oldest was in sixth grade we moved to columbia so they moved one time in their life for, for my career. So I was very fortunate to be Gary for those 17 years. Had great success at uh, Toledo and uh, Missouri. Then I was uh, able to become a head coach at Wyoming. Spent five years at uh, Wyoming as uh, head coach there. Took them to a couple bowl games. Uh, thought we had uh, good success. Did some good things with our kids. Um, went from there to Utah as the offensive coordinator. And I was there for a year, had an opportunity to go to the SEC and coach at Texas A&M. So I went to Texas A&M, spent a year there as the offensive line coach and run game coordinator. And uh, took the next year off just to kind of step back, reflect, and recharge my batteries. And then came to Arizona State. I was a consultant last year. Coach Graham uh, uh, created a position for me to be a consultant. And then when Herm was hired this year, uh, Herm uh, hired me as the offensive line coach and so been here uh, going on my second season now and uh, really excited to be back on the field coaching again. Well that is a really cool thing that's something you don't hear very often is is that you were in the same place for so long there for those like you said 17 years I know half of them at one school and, and half at another but uh, it, as far as you know football it, it would be really cool to think it's a huge loyalty game especially with the coaches but there's so often that it's that it's not, and and either you know the guy's getting let go, or he's got the ability to go and move on to a, a higher ranking, uh, you know, position, if you will. And so I always really, really enjoy those stories of the guys that you know find a great place, and and you know they say grass isn't always greener on on the other side, and they they just work through that same school or with that same head coach and and build, you know, I don't say a dynasty, but uh, a um, you know a tradition with with that group or that group of kids? Well, we, we did. It was the longest tenured uh, coaching staff in Division One at the time. And uh, I was the first to leave uh, Gary in all those years. And, um, you know, my, my philosophy has always been this. Um, do your job to the best of your ability and focus on it. And if something else is supposed to happen, it will. And so, you know, I'm not a guy that's on the phone a lot. Uh, 
you know, calling, trying to find out what job's opening up. The only thing I ever interviewed for in those 17 years were head coaching positions. And, and that was it. And so, um, you know, I just very, very fortunate to be with the same coach. And I tell young guys all the time at clinics, and I'll say it again now, very few guys, if any, will ever have the opportunity again in Division One football to work 17 years for the same head coach. It's just, you know, with what they're paying now and what the expectations are, um, there's no patience. And so, um, you know, there's, there's a couple places in the country, uh, maybe – two or three that you can consistently win year in and year out every year. And uh, other than that, uh, if, you know, you don't win high enough or enough or win by enough or go to a good enough bowl game, um, then they're going to make changes. And that's just the landscape the way it is now. Coach, you work for a guy like Gary Pickle, and, and I was lucky enough to meet him a couple of times. Obviously, you know, couldn't really pick his brain or anything like that. But you know, what were some of the things that maybe made him so successful? Was he – you know, a, a kind of a player's coach? Was he a coach's coach? I mean, what, what were some of his philosophies that you think allowed him to, to have that longevity and, you know, honestly to win pretty much every single year that you guys were together? Well, the first thing is consistency. You know, Gary is very, very consistent on how he ran the program. Uh, discipline uh, was a big part of our program. And so we were consistent in, in how we disciplined and what we did, and we had a structure, and we had a plan for every phase of the program. And so, um, you know, we, we didn't make wholesale changes. One of the biggest changes ever made is when I changed the offense to a spread-up tempo offense, uh, I think, in our fifth year at Missouri. That was a huge change. But, you know, other than that, philosophically, the foundation, the blueprint of the program was what we did with Don James at Washington. And Coach James, you know, was at Kent State, and that's where Gary played for Coach James. And they took that program to Washington. Gary took it to Toledo. We took it to Missouri. And, and we stayed with it, and, and we believed in it. And uh, um, because of that, we were able to have success. It just, you know, it took some time to teach everybody, uh, you, know, you know, how to be a part of the program and what the process was. But uh, Gary is a guy that uh, we critiqued everything we did. We made minor adjustments. But the foundation and the blueprint never changed from the time we got to Toledo to the time I left Wyoming. And, and really the blueprint didn't change any when I got to Wyoming. Making that change that you talked about from, you know, from pro style or, or whatever to that up-tempo spread offense is a, is a gutsy, gutsy decision, I think, uh, as far as if you're already coaching somewhere and making that change. You know, probably not as gutsy if you're a new staff coming in and you change it to spread up-tempo and, and some of that stuff. but you've already been there and you decide to make that change you know you got to have a lot of confidence in that to make that change especially if it's a program that was already you're already doing well with so uh, what were your you know your thoughts behind that and going into that and was it a uh, you know a nerve-wracking change for you to make well you know the first thing is that you know I think it was year four we went to a bowl game and then and we'd been running the same offense we ran it at Toledo thing is at Toledo we lined up uh, eight weeks of the year nine weeks of the year and 11 game schedule with better players than we were playing against so you know we, we could line up in two tight ends and smash people throw the ball when we wanted to not when we needed to and we could win football games and, and that that couldn't work with where we were at that point in time with the program at Missouri and so that's uh, when I you know I'm sitting down in my basement in year five and we didn't go to a bowl game and you know it struggled on offense and I'm watching every bowl that's on TV at the time you know Urban Meyer beat us twice when he got to Bowling Green and we beat Bowling Green my last game at Toledo 
Urban comes in there, he beats us twice. So we're seeing the things that they're doing offensively. He's now at Utah. You know, we, we've looked at what Texas Tech was doing with Mike Leach and uh, what they were doing down at Florida at the time. And, um, and so, you know, I went into Gary after watching all those bowl games. I'm sitting in my basement. I, I said to my wife at the time, I go, you know, Susie, we just – we've got to do something different or, you know, we're not going to be here. And I said, the problem is, you know, you know, coach is very, very consistent and uh, is not really into change. But I said, I think, you know, if I go in there and tell him I want to go to the spread up tempo offense, he's going to think I'm crazy. And she just <laughs> looked at me and goes, well, if you don't, we're going to get fired anyhow. So why don't you at least give it a try? And so, uh, you know, I'll go into Gary and I said, hey, coach, I think, uh, think we got to make a change offensively. And I said, I think we need to go spread. I think, you know, we need to play with tempo. Um, spread the field out. We've got some athletes. I know we can recruit skill guys. Uh, we were blessed to end up getting a really good quarterback and uh, Chase Daniel. We had Brad Smith there, who was very athletic and fit well into it. And so he go. He looks at me and he says, uh, "Okay, I agree with you, Dave." And and probably one of the biggest changes he's probably probably the biggest change he ever made in his career. And and never second guessed me. Was all in. And, and I changed – we scrapped everything. We started at page one of the playbook, rewrote the entire thing, how we called everything, and uh, completely changed it. But, you know, when I'd first gone in, I said we wanted to go to a spread-up tempo. Then I come in a couple weeks later, and I go, now, Coach, you realize we're not going to huddle. <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, ever? And I go, no, unless it's <laughs> at the end of the game, we'll huddle the linemen. But, no, we're going to go. And so – he said, okay, you know, he trusted me, uh, and, and it was huge. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it worked well the first year. We had Brad, quarterback, Chase played some. Uh, Brad did really well with the running part. He threw the ball also, but he was a great athlete, could run, and so we utilized, you know, his athleticism. And then Chase, we leaned a little bit more on the pass, but we still had 1,000-yard rushers. Um, and then for four years, the thing just exploded and, and took off, and we got better and better, and, and they continued on after I left. But uh, it was a huge, huge uh, uh, leap of faith with Gary and, and trusting and believing in me and, uh, you know, never second-guessing, never looking back. And, and we made a, a tremendous change in what we were doing, and uh, it paid off. Was that something you guys kind of, you know, did you, you, you said, you know, you blew up the whole playbook. Was that something you guys just then kind of – it was a – creative throw it up on the board or were there were there some influences or other staffs or other guys on staff that had kind of brought the you know pieces of it that you guys maybe adopted or was it all just you know what original no no no, no. We, we we you know most things in football are you you take from other people and and we were no different and so uh urban meyer was at at, at uh, bowling green had left gone to utah and they'd had success there and after he left they still had success greg brandon was the head coach and so called greg i'd known greg for years and said hey can we get your offensive staff to come out and and help us implement this and so bowling green staff actually came out and and helped us initiate putting in, you know, the spread up tempo offense. So we took a lot of principles from them uh, early on. And then what we did is as we started uh, um, getting a feel for our personnel and recruiting, you know, uh, better skill personnel in different spots, we started working the offense to what worked best for our personnel. Mm -hmm. And so we, we had concepts and, and, and different ideas from what they're doing at Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, uh, Texas Tech at the time and so we just took all of them we built and take took the things that worked well with our personnel and then designed things that fit our personnel and just made the whole thing grow. Uh, 
what was the sell like to, uh, to your room when you told them your offensive line, your guys, when, when you're like, Hey, we're, we're going, you know, a completely different way. Now we're going uh, spread up tempo. I'm sure stances changed. I'm sure quite a bit changed from uh, where you guys were from one year to the next year, especially with those uh, veteran guys that you had in, in the, uh, in the O-line room. Yeah. It, you know, they, they were excited about it. You know, they wanted, they wanted to be successful also, you know, they, uh, you know, they probably didn't watch as many bowl games as I did, but they, they, they saw what, you know, teams that were doing that were scoring points and moving the football were doing. And, and, you know, it's a fun offense for a lineman to play. And we did a lot of things uh, with our offensive linemen to make it exciting for them. And, you know, we were taking four foot, five foot, shit, sometimes eight foot split, <laughs> um, you know, just doing different stuff, a lot of cut block. And then we got into fold blocking with it and just, uh, you know, it was just fun. You know, we tried to make it fun. We tried to do things. You know, we, we were really good at our base offense. And then as we got better every week, I'd give, you know, six to eight plays that they'd, you know, a team was going to see one time in a game and by game, you know, six or seven of the season, they've seen 35 plays one time each on top of what we were really good at was, was our normal offense. And so it gave them a lot to have to prepare for, but it made it fun for the players. Well, the that other... was a, yeah, that was a time when, when it was still wasn't like uh, half the teams in the, in the league were doing it. You know, it was, um, it was still kind of towards the start of, of that whole offense. Right, it was. And, and, and you know, and, and ours was different than they were doing at, you know, Bowling Green and Florida and Utah. We, we took, you know, different elements from those offenses, but, you know, we, we, we tweaked them and, and we made it fit what we felt was best for our personnel. And, uh, you know, so we, we, we would spread it out and we had big, you know, you know, when we took the big splits, we had a great quarterback and get rid of the football. We had great receivers, big tight ends, uh, two All-American tight ends. So, you know, our line could spread it out and, and, and there was a pretty good chance they weren't going to get to the quarterback. And, uh, and once we got to throwing a little bit more with Chase, you know, he was just, uh, you know, he was a surgeon with the football. He always knew where pressure was coming from. He could read coverages on the snap, and, and, and he didn't take many hits. That was the thing I was going to say is, I mean, I, I remember you guys, and, and my favorite part of the offense was the two big tight ends. I just thought it gave you guys such a, a different dynamic outside. I mean, they they could do so many different things and cause so many matchup problems. And, you know, when, when people see 12 – personnel roll out on the field you know defenses have one or two checks well you guys would be lining up in empty with two tight ends you know and all of a sudden you got you got guys flying all the place they don't line up I mean it was it was fun to watch with those two tight ends yeah it really was and they were just they were phenomenal kids I mean they were really really high quality you know kids and 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 they big playmakers you know you split one guy out on one side and they single him up in the corner over there I mean it's a mismatch or you put them both inside in slot positions and getting empty. Um, you know, they're, and they're both 6'6". I mean, they're big targets to throw through. They're athletic with the ball in their hands. Um, it, it created a lot of issues. And you have guys like Macklin and Franklin that can stretch the field. And, um, you know, we just had a lot of really good football players. And we, we, we started bringing in, you know, some really good guys on the perimeter and had good running backs and Tony Temple, and Jimmy Jackson, some of those guys. And so – you know, we were able to do a lot of different things, and it wasn't just a one-dimensional offense. Well, you talk a little bit about those wide splits. It's one of those things that, uh, I, you know, I think does help tackle so much. But when you're playing tackle, it, it's kind of hard to, at first, buy into getting that big wide split, putting yourself, uh, you know, even more on an island than you would originally be. Uh, but when you finally do buy into it and, and get to see it and, like again, have a little bit of guts to get out there and do it, 
uh, it does take that guy so much further away from from the quarterback when you get those big man splits, as I say. Well, you know, and the, and the funny thing is, uh, you know, that if if the you know, the defensive ends trained to line up in a five technique, well, right? You know, they don't say line up in a five technique unless it's an eight foot split, then line up in an inside technique. They still line up in a five technique, and so. You know, the tackles start filling their oats a little bit, and they they started out they'd be in a three foot split, and not good. The guy's there, he's he's in a five, then he's you know five foot split and <laughs> five yard split, and he's in a five. And you know, my point was, listen, the further you take him away from the quarterback, if for say you know for you know if if for some reason you don't block him, he could be as much as seven to eight yards away from the quarterback. Anyhow, we should be able to get the football off. So, you know, we, we played with the splits, and, and we would test how far guys would go out. And, and, and they're going to go out because they're taught to, align, you know, be in, you know, their alignments. And so they're going to line on you accordingly. And then, you know, you just you work the splits out. But it created big, big uh, lanes for the quarterback to throw. Chase was a six-foot quarterback. And so he had a lot of, you know, passing lanes to throw. But the other thing it does is it uh, opens up the running lanes. And we weren't afraid to run the football. In fact, uh, my, my second-to-last season there in the Cotton Bowl, our tailback rushed for 325 yards at the time. It was a Cotton Bowl record. And, uh, you know, but, you know, just it was not a one-dimensional uh, offense. And, and so you, you could try to take away the passing game, which Arkansas tried to do in that particular game, and we rushed for 325 yards with Tony Temple. So, um, you know, I thought it was a, a good offense, and it gave us the ability to exploit guy uh, defenses in a lot of different ways. But what we did and what we got to is because we felt we could use space to our advantage. And by stretching people out from sideline to sideline, uh, that gave us a chance, and, and it forced them to have to cover more ground. And uh, instead of playing in a phone booth, coach, you talked about you know folding linemen. When you have those wide splits, is that kind of you know you have to do a little bit more folding because maybe you're not as close to to, to run as many combos, and, uh, and you know you're creating some more of those one-on-one spots. And I always like folding too because obviously you're in a spread system. And they're going to play a minimum number in the box. You're creating that extra gap, and Absolutely. it causes a lot of uh, problems for the uh, the fits as far as the safeties are concerned. Yeah, and so they all have their base fits when you line up and you come off in a normal zone scheme. But you know, when when you can start full block, and you're right, you create an extra gap, and it's it's difficult for people to to you know adjust accordingly and be in the right gaps. And so with those big splits, and then you fold, you know, you create you know cutback lanes and and. You know, you can let the guys on the front side run up the field. You know, you don't really have to block them. You know, open your splits up and let them beat you on the outside. We're going to cut behind them. Then on the back side, we're either going to cut the backside defensive players or we're going to fold them. And it's going to create a, a bend back lane for a running back. You know, cutting on that backside, it, it doesn't seem like – it seemed like it's kind of gone away a little bit, you know, the more and more throughout the years. But I've always just thought it was such a beneficial thing to use just to even slow a guy down, you know, just make him think just a little bit. Okay, now there's one more thing I might have to look for that, uh, you know, I would think that people would use that a little bit more just because, again, you get some of those, especially in the SEC, I'm sure, um, you know, at, with Missouri or, or even Big 12. But – you get some of those freakazoid D linemen, and and a lot of them know they're going to go play, you know, on Sundays, and and they especially don't like to be cut, and it slows them down a little bit as well. Absolutely, we we want them to have to protect themselves. Now, you know, we're not out there to maim players or injure players. I certainly don't want to do that, but we are going to cut, and and you're going to see it in the Pac-12 this year because we will cut on the backside, and uh, you know, it just it changes up how we're blocking. It it changes up what they have to focus on. 
and uh, they got to get their hands down. They got to protect their legs. And, uh, you know, once they start doing that, and then you come back and you fold block them. And so what would happen is we cut initially, we were cutting all the time on the backside. We were really doing a great job of, of, of you know, we were track that and, and um, doing a great job. But what they started doing is they started chasing our linemen. And so we couldn't get down and get them cut. And that's when we started fold blocking. Hmm. So now we just turn the guard back, bring the tackle around and just create a huge running line. And so we utilize both. We will have both the schemes in. Uh, they can make calls at the line of scrimmage and, and determine whether we want to fold something or zone block it or, uh, you know, just exactly how we want to do it. We'll make those calls right at the line. But we'll do, we'll do both. When you, uh, when you guys made the switch to – so you made the switch to spread, right, there's got to be a few different things changed. Did you set – uh, did you change up the, the depth of your sets uh, for the offensive line when you did go to the spread offense a little bit more, a little more passing? Uh, you know, it seems like as far as with some of the teams that are going to be more run-oriented first, more heavy personnels, they're a little bit more set them on the line of scrimmage, get hands on them now, uh, and, you know, allow them to, you know, set them down now where uh, I know the, the thought process is you set a little bit deeper uh, the games, you know, happen in front of you, uh, you know, for some of the spread teams. Did you, did you change up the depth that you guys set at at all when you made that change? We, we, uh, we did a little bit. Um, anytime our, our guys up front knew that, you know, it was a three-step or five-step drop. Now, the great thing about being an offensive line coach is that, you know, I get to decide what plays we run. And when you're the offensive line coach, you don't have to worry because there are no seven-step drops. So <laughs> uh, we had three-step, we had five-step. And so we sent our quarterback at six yards deep in, in the gun, and our line knew the difference between the two. And so on three-step, we wanted to set them on the line of scrimmage, and we could cut. Anytime you had an opportunity to cut, you could cut them. On our five-step drop, we stayed up, and then we could be a little bit more uh, passive and our, our, our pass set, a little more set on that, um, you know, backing up and, and, and you know we didn't want to give a lot of ground we were going to catch and throw we weren't going to hold the ball a lot even our drop back game was was you know catch you know take two steps set and uh, you know get rid of the football um, but we, yeah we the, we definitely knew the difference between a you know quick throw and a, and a drop back throw coach when you're dealing with you know the spread obviously you're going to have to be a, a five-man protection team at times you know and there's a lot of offensive line coaches you say that out there and that's like you know flipping them off you say, hey, you're going to five-man protect. You know, I've, I've always felt like, hey, man, it shouldn't really matter. You know, with five-man protection, there's obviously going to be some different calls, some different things you have to teach them. You know, how many different things maybe do you go into a game with your five-man or your scat protection, you know, for those guys? Are you putting that on the QB or are you putting that on the offensive line or is that kind of a deal where you, you know, it's a freshman QB, okay, the O-line does it, it's a, it's a Chase Daniel, Chase Daniel's going to call it. Yeah, we, what we did is, uh, you know, with Chase, you're right. Sometimes he could change it. But I put on the O-line. They're going to make all the calls. And their okay. job is to pick the five most dangerous guys up. And, and, and so, you know, we're going we're, we're gonna, to – and a lot of it's going to be by, you know, how it falls on the snap of the ball. But we had a few calls that, you know, that initial calls that we would, you know, idea Mike, okay, that's where the center is going to work if – we're getting outside pressure. We make some calls, and we could slide the line to the outside pressure. Uh, odd defenses, we mollied guys out if they didn't have a guy coming. And so we had built-in uh, assignments that could really get us to pick up every blitz if we reacted accordingly on the snap. Um, I've got to the point the last few years that I teach five-man protection, and all we do on six-man protection is the back now becomes an outside-the-outside outside guy. 
So our five and six man protection are the same. And so we're not teaching, you know, different protections because my thing is this, if they bring five and it's six man protection and one of those guys is coming off the edge, I want my linemen blocking the five that are coming. I only want the running back really to block if there's a six defender or he's helping. And so we, we, we can, we can teach it almost the same, whether, whether it's five or six men. So you guys are, even with the odd front, you guys will double fan it with a six man protection. Yep. Yep. Unless there's, you know, and, and again, we're going to spread the field out some. So if a backer's out of the box over a guard, he can turn the line. So they always have uh, the ability to turn the line. They're going to look at safety structure. Our, our tackles look at the safety outside pressure structure. And then any, you know, any adjustment they have, they have the ability to turn the line at that point in time if we can get a key for where the, where the pressure's coming from. So if awesome. we didn't turn the line, we'd double fan it and molly guys across. And so we'd still have a way to pick, pick it up. But, you know, the thing with the five-man protection is you got to spend a lot of time working on it. I mean, we right. work on it daily. We do yeah. work, we do blitz pickups, we do protection periods. We, we, and, and you have to give them every single look possible because you're going to react. And, and really, when I was at Missouri, we didn't have a bunch of rules. We reacted to fronts and structure. Yeah. We reacted to what structure we had, and then we had the ability to turn based upon safety outside backer uh, structures, and then we would molly guys. If you didn't have somebody to block or your guy slanted way out for contain, you turn and ran out the back door. And, again, if your quarterback's not holding the ball, we weren't looking to have to come out the back, molly out, and, and, and sit there and block a guy forever. We won't <laughs> right. take the hit off the quarterback. Well, that's what I was going to say. With our five-man, you know, when we were doing it against Odd, it was always uh, – we didn't ever get to molly it. It was always the um, dual read with the guard. So, tackle sets back. If his inside linebacker's not coming, he's got to get all the way out to the outside linebacker. And, and it, took, it took a long, long time, you know, to learn that. It was, like you said, it was every day at least working that five-man protection against, uh, you know, those three, four teams because – now the tackle and the guard both now have to dual read the inside linebacker, um, you know, to be able to pick up some of that outside pressure. And so uh, it does. Or if you're the backside guard and then you're kind of reading three people, you're inside, you're outside, then you're opposite, you know, whatever, outside linebacker maybe to go help a, help a pick up for that. So uh, I always thought it was, you know, be a little bit easier, get that guard set back, let him kind of molly out there if, if his guy's not coming. Yeah, well, we, 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 we'll sift with both the guard and tackle. So our, our, our guard and tackle on that side will read the triangle, inside backer, D end, outside backer. And they're going to pick up the two most dangerous of the inside, too. So what we, our whole deal is this, when in doubt, pick it up inside out. If anybody comes free making an outside guy, and, and we believe our quarterback will throw the ball before that outside guy can get there. Easiest guy for him to see, I know that. That's right. Just as long as it's not – in the back of the quarterback's head. <laughs> yeah, I say yeah, that. So I usually when it was like like five man protection for me, you know, I, if I was going to sort, he's a right handed QB. You know, okay, hopefully that pressure. Let's make the pressure come from his his side where he has to look and where he's normally throwing the blind side stuff. It gets to be a little bit scary. Yeah, you and, and it's easy. You know, you can get yeah. communicated with the quarterback to. And, you know, we talked about it again today, and, and he can make a call, and, and you know, just so he knows that if a free guy's going to come, he needs to know where that free guy's coming from. And other than that, he should be protected. And so uh, it's an easy adjustment to make.
Coach, so, um, you know, you know we, we've always kind of – or I've always heard it kind of broken down into schemes, and each offensive line coach kind of has their own schemes. You know, I, I think uh, when I was playing, it was we only had gap and zone. But I know there's been gap zone. There's man. I know some people put pin and pull into its own, its own category. Uh, what are your major schemes that you go into teaching your guys? Uh, and not, not even necessarily counting the, uh, like you said, just the game-by-game schemes, uh, you know, the specials, but just your major – going to install for the spring what are your your groupings uh, that you bring into it yeah so we're gonna we're gonna basically be a zone and a gap team so when I say zone that's going to consist of inside zone outside zone tight zone that's also going to include full zone blocking it's also going to include our pen and pull blocking and so that that is is one group of, of, of play so all of our zone stuff. The other is our gap plays, and, and those plays will consist of, you know, counter, uh, power, power read, anything with the backside guards pulling, and, and sometimes a tackle, sometimes an H-back. Um, and so those two schemes are where we spend the majority of our time. Now, we're going to have, like you said, there's some other things that we'll, we'll minor in, but we're going to major in those things. So we're going to work on those fundamentals, techniques every single day, and then what we want to do is get great at those and then manipulate the defense with motions and shifts and different formations, but not change it up front for five guys that, uh, that I'm working with. So, so when you go into install, you're installing, how, uh, you know, however many days you have an install, let's say in spring, uh, are you trying to, as you're teaching these, these new kids, or maybe even more in fall as you have the younger kids, are you trying to keep it as, hey, day one, we're going to try to stay majority zone, and then day two, we go into gap, or is it just kind of a, a hodgepodge of different ones for, for other reasons? No, that's great. That's a great question. Now, what we'll do is uh, day one will be just zone, and we'll just be working on zone schemes. In fact, we'll probably work on zone schemes for two days, and then we'll introduce uh, the gap schemes, and then, you know, we'll, we'll grow from there, but we'll, we'll focus on zone. That's, you know, take a couple, a good couple of days, but what, when we when we finish with install, the fundamentals and techniques that we use in running our zone plays, the fundamentals and techniques that we use in running our gap plays, we're going to hit those in individual every single day. And so, you know, we're going to major in those type of schemes. We're going to make sure that we spend the majority of our time of practice every day working on those fundamentals. Coach, how, uh, how long does it take to do your guys' entire install? Is it like a four-day, a five-day, or a week? You had kind of different, differing philosophies on how long does it take to install, you know, your base well, I offense. Think, I think the majority of our offense will be installed within six practices. So we'll, we'll go uh, – we've got basically, you know, three installs, and each of those installs is, has an A and a B because we add a couple little things in the B part of it. So it's about six practices, and we're, really we can have our entire offense in. And then how many protections do you guys carry? You carry a five-man, six-man. Do you guys carry any seven-man stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have five-man, six-man. We'll have full slide. We'll have uh, seven-man. We'll have some sprint out. We'll have some play action. We'll, we'll have more actual protections than we have run schemes. I've, I've always found, I've always found uh, you know, sprint out seems to me as far as playing and, and even coaching was always kind of difficult for me to, to understand or teach or – I don't know, it just always seemed like there's a lot of little things that defensive linemen could do uh, to kind of, you know, screw with you a little bit. How, how do you coach, you know, sprint out to make that easy for the guys? And, and um, you know, 
uh, we obviously don't get a ton of reps, but we'd like to be able to do it. So what is like, you know, what's your coaching points on sprint out for your offensive line? Well, philosophically, you know, for me, I want it to be a quick throw. So throwing on the fifth step or the seventh step going the other way. And so we don't try to reach everybody. We, we will take one half slide step and then turn to our backside gap. Okay. And if that guy goes outside of us, we let him go to the next guy. And we have somebody that comes and cuts the outside defender. Sometimes we have two people in position to cut outside defenders and the quarterback's throwing on the run. And so it's most of the time they're quicker throws and, you know, we're, we're, they're not big, long downfield taking forever type throws. You know, I've done it before. We've tried to all reach our play side gap and the only thing that does is allow penetration. It right. Really doesn't stop it. But when you take a half shuffle step, turn back, Every backside gap sealed, cut the end man. That quarterback usually never has anybody in his face if he throws the ball on time. That's pretty similar then to almost like full slide rules then. Yeah. Just kind of yeah. moving the pocket a little bit. Moving the pocket about a half a yard. Uh, shoot, yeah. that makes it easy. I, honestly, so I would much rather ball, teach it that way. The backside, you know, they're just giving ground. And, and all, they are, all they're responsible for is the guy out who goes outside of there. None of them are responsible for anybody coming inside, you know, crossing their face. That belongs to the next guy. Coach, what's your favorite play action protection in the spread? So if you're playing in the gun, what's your favorite play action one? Because, I mean, that's always kind of been the, the conundrum. You know, I get in the gun. I don't get the same run action as I do under center or if I'm in the, the pistol. You know, what, what do you think the, the best look is with that? I think that, I think they're – I have two that are my favorite. The first one is is, is a uh, we used to call a naked naked G, where we play fake in one way, pulling the guard, and and the quarterback is looking to either break containment or get pulled up. Uh, so gap block and pull the backside guard, tailback sets the wall off the backside tackle. Um, it has been really good for me over the years. The other one is, you know, because we're running so much zone at 11 personnel with an H back in there is a hard play fake off the inside zone with your backside tight end digging and he ends up blocking the defensive end, but making that, cause it's easy to make that protection look exactly like the run mm -hmm. to me when it looks like the run, then that's when you have your best opportunity to, you know, get the ball thrown down the field. Coach, you've obviously, you know, you've been in the game, you know, for a while. Uh, so, so you've had a, a lot of different, you know, I hear a lot now that kids are a lot different than they were, you know, whatever, 15, 5, 20, whatever years ago, everybody's going to say. Um, so, but you've been, you know, you've seen a lot of, you know, a few different types of kids, I'm sure, come in. So, uh, have you noticed a big change in the kids that now that you're getting up as freshmen? And, and if you are, what are the, some of the things that you're, that you're having to do different with these kids? Um, you know, because I've heard a lot of negative things, but I think there's a lot of positive things too about, uh, about this generation that is just, you know, the really good ones are, do get to be around football, do get to study football so much more. Um, but have you noticed uh, any big difference in, in how you're having to coach or, or how you're having needing to, um, you know, explain it to the to the kids that are coming up now as, as freshmen well you know it, it has changed you know society's changed um you know it's it's a different world now you know there was a day you know i played for don james and he said run through the wall you were you've already hit the wall by now <laughs> and, and now you say run through the wall and, and they're they want a dissertation why how how's that benefit me um you know what what's the result going to be what could happen negative i mean it's just, you know, it's different. And so you got to approach it differently. 
and, and how you, you approach the kids. And so it's really important to, to get to know each and every individual as an individual. And I'm going to coach every guy differently. I'm going to set a high expectation and I'm going to make sure that they meet that expectation. But how you handle each guy is just different, you know. Um, you know, kids nowadays, you know, you, you see all this stuff from putting hats on and, and <laughs> announcing when they're going to make their commitment. And, you know, the funny thing is probably 85% of those guys, all the attention, never, excuse my French, piss a drop when they get to college. But they're, they're getting all this notoriety for something they've not done other than played in high school. Hell, I was a great high school player. It didn't mean I was going to be anything in college. And so, you know, it's hard because, you know, the media does that to them. But on the other hand, um, kids can come a lot more prepared now than they did, uh, you know, 20 years ago. Right. You know, I've got players now that are, are so much more advanced, the ones that are really into football, not the, the social media part of it, the pretend players, but the guys that are really training, that are really into I – mean, I've had a guy that, that, that's going to be a freshman for me. He was finished his senior year in high school at 9 o'clock every morning, went and trained for six hours to be a great football player. You know, this, this young man is, is ready to play as a true freshman. And I've not played many true freshmen in 36 years of coach. In fact, I think I've played three. And so, you know, I've got, you know, you know some other young linemen that are coming in as freshmen, and, and they are far more advanced than guys used to be at this, at this point in time. You know, you look at quarterbacks, you know, they're all in these seven-on-seven -seven tournaments, and, 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 you know, they're playing football. They're, there's experts out there uh, uh, teaching all these kids now individual lessons and this and that. And so they're preparing. And so, you're, yeah, you're getting a lot better prepared players. I think that's why you see programs like Alabama uh, playing a lot of true freshmen. Uh, when they come in, uh, you know, it's happening everywhere now. Um, and so I, so I think there's, you know, there, there, there has been a lot of change, some positive and, you know, some not so positive, you know, from my standpoint. But, uh, you know, kids are still kids. It's, it's great to, to be able to go to work every day and try to influence, uh, you know, 18 to 23-year-old young men to teach them how to, you know, to live life right, to, you know, be productive, to do things right every day, to have discipline, have structure in their life, to be held accountable. I think those lessons are never going to go away. And, and so, you know, I'm never going to change my approach to coaching. I'm, I'm, that's, that's what I'm going to do. It was funny. Today I was talking uh, to another uh, Kevin Mawai, who's my uh, uh, analyst on offense, and, and, and how blessed am I to have a, you know, an eight-time Pro Bowler, 16-year NFL veteran, and just saying, you know what, it really, when you get down to it, uh, 20 years down the road and you're talking to a former player, you, you, you don't talk a lot about football games. You know, you talk about, you know, why they've been successful in life and they, you know, and, and the lessons that they learned and, and the discipline that they learned. And, you know, it's, you know, well, yeah, you can talk about a game now and then, but the majority of the time, the, 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 the talk's not about football. It's about, you know, the experience and, and the mentorship and, 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 you know, you know, holding guys accountable and, and, and changing their lives and turning them into, you know, productive young men that can go out to society and be great husbands, fathers, and employees. That's exactly right. That's even, even, you know, some of those, some of the games, some of the football they do talk about, it, it's not even about the game. It'll be about, you know, something funny that the center said on one play or something, yes. something, you know, funny that the coach did or said, or, or, or something like that. You know, that's a lot of times the things that, that I remember, or I hear guys remember is, is going back to that, it's not even, you know, if it is about the game, it's about, you know, something their buddy did or something they all did or a call they made or, you know, something, you know, like that, which is always sticks with guys. 
Well, it's, it's funny because, you know, every time I get back together with former players, I've been fortunate to be able to get back to Toledo and see some guys, Missouri, you know, different places I've been and, and, uh, you know, and to hear the stories, you know, and the things that were going on and coach didn't know about them. And <laughs> I had gone back to a player, my wife and I went back to a player's wedding in, in Missouri a few years ago. And, and uh, we were walking out of there, a bunch of linemen and they said something, they were talking about something about, you know, not liking coach C. And I said, wait a minute, there was a time where you guys didn't like me. Oh my God. My wife laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> well, no coach, you know, you know how it is when we're young and you're, you know, you're yelling at us and I'm going, well, what the heck? I'm invited to everybody's wedding. And maybe it's just because I give nice gifts. I don't know. So, you know, <laughs> it, it, you know the relationships that, that, you know, last a lifetime. Uh, I was at a wedding uh, a week ago and, and for the first time I'd gone back to a player who I had recruited to Toledo, came out there, was an all-conference player from us from Arizona. And his daughter got married a week ago. So I, you know, I started telling my wife a couple of years ago, yeah, I'm getting old. The, you know, players are getting married, you know, guys I coached are getting married. Well, now I'm going to players that I've coached kids wedding. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but wow, I am old. <laughs> Coach, I mean, I know you talked, you kind of said both things, you know, it's changed for the better for some kids, you know, some things have changed society wise. So obviously we, we change with it, but what are still some of your non-negotiables for an offensive lineman that you're going to take? Because I mean, you know, you're going to select four or five guys a year, I would imagine. And they're going to be guys that, that you want to be around for five years or four years. You know, what are some things that you, you want to coach, you know what I'm saying? First of all, I tell every recruit and I tell our offensive linemen, I'm going to bring guys into this room, you know, I'm talking about our offensive line room, that, that you're going to want in here. They're going to have the same goals and aspirations that you guys have. I ha- have a very high standard in, in my room. You know, I expect guys that, that come to play offensive line to never be on lists. I expect them to do all the right things on and off the field. Uh, you know, I tell them, and that's what I told this group when I first uh, took the job here as the offensive line coach. My youngest uh, kid is 22 years old, so I am not going to babysit again until I'm a grandfather. And so (laughs) my expectation is you do everything right, and I will be a mentor. I'll be a role model. I'll show you how to to be, you know, to to live life right, how to treat people, how to treat women, uh, and then we'll try to make you the absolute best football player you can be. And that's where I want my focus to be. So you do all the things off the field so I don't have to spend my time disciplining you and, and, and trying to get you to be where you're supposed to be. Because if you can learn those lessons and do those things and then add to them what I can bring to you, you got a chance to be extremely successful. So I want guys that are accountable. You know, I'm going to look at their transcript, and I am not going to recruit an offensive lineman that's not strong uh, academically. I want guys that, you know, and I tell these guys, listen, you're coming to college to get your degree. I shouldn't have to spend a lot of time talking about because if you don't understand the importance of a degree, I recruited the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. I want my guys to graduate, period, and it better be high on your priority list. And so I don't want to have to spend a lot of time babysitting you for study hall or going to class. The expectation is you got into college, you're on scholarship, you go to class, you go to meetings, you go to study hall, you go to mentor meetings, you know, you go to tutors, you do all that stuff right because you're here to get to your degree. And, you know, if, if we have meetings, you know, my policy is this, I would be five minutes late because a second, you know, I mean, five minutes early because a second late, uh, you're going to meet me the next morning and we're going to talk about it and have some discipline for it. And so, you know, I just want them to understand, I don't, I will not tolerate those things. I want guys that do all those things. I, that's not the things I want to do. I want to coach you. I want to mentor you and I want to make you the 
best you can possibly be on the football field. But I want guys that want to, you know, be successful in life already. So they're going to go to school and do all those things off the field. So I want disciplined guys. I want guys that, uh, you know, that care about their academics. I want guys that are dying to be great football players. I don't want guys that just, you know, I'm the best at my school. I'm excited to get a scholarship. I want guys that want to play in the NFL. That's the kind of players we want to, you know, at Arizona State. And that's the kind of guys I want to recruit. Not everybody can get there, but we're going to do everything in our power to help you get there. Well, and that's one of the great things about getting to coach offensive line. I, I know uh, not always is it that easy with the skill guys, uh, not all of them, but uh, with, with the offensive line, it, it seems to be as long as you do set that standard and, you know, uh, hold up to it, those guys are, are willing to, you know, for whatever reason, offensive line guys are the type of guys that, that understand that and are, and are willing to do that, the vast majority of them. Absolutely. They're, they're pleasers. You know, they, they've, you know, it's just the way it is at that position. I've been fortunate. You know, I've, I've been a head coach. I've been a coordinator. So I've dealt with all the positions, but uh, no question. I mean, I, I could not be happier right now than just being the offensive line coach with a room full of phenomenal young men that I get to work with. Coach, it's awesome to hear that. I just think, you know, sometimes it gets lost, but you know, it, the the room we, we've had a couple of guys on here and they talk about the room you know it, it, it doesn't matter I mean you you could you could recruit the 6'8 340 pound absolute freak 360 dunk but if if he's a, a horrible influence on the room and everybody hates him what good is he going to be yeah he, I, I think I think there's so many coaches that overlook that that aspect and so many fans you know they're like oh this guy's a freak he's going to be the guy but if he doesn't fit in that room he, he can't play Absolutely. You, you got to check all, you know, all the boxes got to be checked if, if it's a guy I'm going to recruit. And, and, you know, it's not a perfect science. You make mistakes along the way. But bottom line is, you know, they're going to be held accountable, not just by me, but by that expectation of everybody else in that room. You know, when there's a guy that slips up, it, the minute I mention it, because I won't mention, I'm going to bring everything out in that room. We're not hiding anything. They're going to have a talk with them, I can guarantee you, because mm-hmm. you know, they want what the expectation is. They want to be successful. They don't want that group embarrassed. They, they want guys that are bought in and doing the right thing each and every day. And, you know, and again, the things that I talked about, just do those things and you'll be successful in life. That's yeah. my whole deal. I'm going to teach you to be a football player, but if you can just live up to the expectation that I set, when you graduate from Arizona State University and go out into the real world, you're going to be successful. You know, it doesn't take a lot to, to be on time. It doesn't take a lot to sit in the front. It doesn't take a lot to pay attention, to, you know, treat people right, to have manners, to, you know. It doesn't take a lot to do this. It takes no ability at all. Look where I'm at. You know, I had no ability as a player, but, you know, I could get out of bed and be on time and, and be ahead of time. You know, I, I love him when the kid said, you know, he was late because his phone didn't go, his alarm on his phone didn't go off. <laughs> really? How come mine has never not worked? You know, it's the operator, not the phone. Phones don't jack up. Even iPhones are high-tech stuff. It's, it's the operator. So don't blame your phone and set four alarms. But don't give me excuses. You know, I, I told a kid uh, last spring, wasn't one of my guys, but there's somebody who's coming in late to a meeting or something. I go, you know, the interesting thing is we didn't have these phones 20 years ago. And I've been coached for 36 years. I've never been a second late. And <laughs> I had no ability as a player. But guess what? I found a way to be on time every day my entire life. And it takes no ability at all. And so blame the phones, blame the roommate, blame somebody. But, you know, I, again, we, I don't allow excuses. So, you know, I just, I just think you got to set those expectations. And, and, you know, the other thing, I used to talk to this about my guys all the time at Wyoming, is that 
we've got to take them out of their comfort zone if we want them to develop and, and become better and, 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 and get better as a person. You know, if you're comfortable every single day and no, never get taken out of your comfort zone, you know, you just kind of flail through life. So, you know, I want to disrupt their life a little bit. I want them to be on edge a little bit that, you know, they don't want to screw anything up. I think it's okay to be like that. Um, and, 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 you know, because, you know, you guys know when, when, when you're comfortable and there's no pressure to, to, to do anything, you know, then, you know, you just relax. And, and you can't relax and be successful in life. It's just not like that. Those at the top aren't relaxing. Those at the bottom are. <laughs> So, truer words have never been spoken, man. I, I completely agree. And, and there's so many of them now that, that aren't equipped with, with failing, especially in your world, because you're, you're getting kids that are the best football players on the field. You're getting kids who are the, the best football player in their high school. So a lot of them haven't experienced much failure or haven't experienced it and much adversity. You got to create some of that for them so they learn how to handle it because guess what? It's coming at some point. Absolutely. Boy, I tell you what, you're, you're right on there. They're, huh. they're going to face failure. At some point in time, they're going to face failure. And a lot of times it's during your freshman year because yeah. you're, you're a big man on campus. And then, you know, and even if you weren't at a great school your whole life, you got a trophy just for being on the team because everybody gets <laughs> one to participate. And so uh, um, unless you lived in my house, you weren't allowed to take them. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, you're going to fail. And, and the best way to learn is through failure. You know, and I used to get mad at my son's baseball game. You know, there'd be these young kids, they'd strike out and they'd cry. And I'd tell them, well, you know what? If you could be 33% successful in baseball the rest of your life, you could be a millionaire. So stop crying when you strike out, you know, one out of <laughs> 10 times. Hell, you'd make millions of dollars if you can keep this up. Be a Hall of Famer. Exactly. <laughs> so... You know, it just, you, you, you know, you got to learn, you know, nobody wants to, to fail, but you're going to fail. And that's how you learn. You know, it's, it's, you know, that's kind of my, my philosophy has you know, changed a little bit in coaching even. And maybe it's because the kids have changed some, but, you know, I'm not huge into screaming and yelling because hopefully I've recruited the guys that are high achievers that want to do well. And so really the only time I need to get on a player practice, if there's a lack of effort or a lack of focus and, and, and they're not into it. Then I'm going to get on them, and I'm going to get on them hard. But other than that, they're, they're going to make a mistake, and, and yelling and screaming at them uh, isn't what they need because they're high achievers. They want to be successful. They want to do the right thing. A lot of the times, particularly in college football and with younger guys, it's because they're trying a new technique, and they're going to fail at the technique. And that's why I try to tell them, don't fear failure in practice because if you don't fail in practice, you're never going to have success in the game. And so, you know, I, I kind of coach that way. It's okay if you don't do it perfect, but we're going to coach you and we're going to correct it and you're going to get another opportunity. So don't fear failure. Don't not try something because you're fear failure. Because if you master the technique, you're going to destroy the guy across from you. But if you're afraid to try it, you're probably not going to have a chance with the technique you're using. So philosophically, you know, I just, you know, I've kind of changed how my, my approach is because you know, I'm coaching guys that want to do it right. And so you don't need to scream and yell at those guys. You need to coach them. I think that's a great point. And that's one of the things that I run into, you know, that is toughest, you know, for, for my guys is, is on one-on-one pass pro. 
you know, I, I, especially some of my older good guys, I want them to try, hey, try to short set them this time. Try to do, you know, try a fake outside hand. You're an older guy. I want you to try, you know, then they get beat once and it's like they don't ever want to do it again. And it's like, and I really don't care if you win this one-on-one rep right here against this guy that knows it's a pass rush. I want you to be able to work, you know, some different stuff that you can actually use in a game. Absolutely. You know, I, I face the same thing. You know, I'll try to adjust the technique. Just, you know, hey, let's see if this works. And if it doesn't work one time, they want to stop. Yeah. And, and my point is, listen, I'll tell you when it's time to throw it out. We've we got to give it some time because, you know, how much blocking are kids doing until they get to high school? Nobody's teaching them how to block. <laughs> you know no. what I mean? And, and the limited amount of time that you have, and then they're getting here. And so, you know, they just, you know, and, I, and, and again, I just think, you know, if philosophically, if you explain that to your players coming in. Now, the younger guys, I can get on them a little bit because I want them to really be uncomfortable. I want them to, you know, feel the pressure of having to learn and, and, and having to have pressure put on them. The older guys, I'm going to coach them a little bit differently. We a little more patient with those guys. We're going to try some things. And we're not going to get discouraged and scream and yell when they don't work. We're going to try it again. We're going to watch it on film. We're going to correct it. We're going to come back out. We're going to drill it. And we're going to try it again. And, and, and you know, I think, you know, by doing that, you'll have guys, you know, I don't want guys that are worried about screwing up. I want guys that, that are going to flow, that are, you know, the technique's going to happen because they've mastered it. And so, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I read a book a while back and it talked about mastering any, you know, skill. It was on prodigy piano players or violin players or tennis players or something. And, and it said any skill that, that you want to master takes 10,000 repetitions. So, you know, just, just, just imagine yourself having to, you know, you know, use a single outside hand 10,000 times to get that punch exactly where you want it. Or, you know, to, to shuffle step with your inside foot or, or, you know, whatever we're asking them to do, you know, they're discouraged when it doesn't happen the first five times. I just remind them, hey, listen, you're 9,995 reps away from mastering. So don't be discouraged. Let's keep working it. And so, you know, it's just, uh, you know, like I say, you know, as you get older, you start learning some things and handling players and, and, and again, times have changed. And so, you know, kids probably respond a little bit better when you coach them rather than back in the day where we used to probably, you know. <laughs> I know that, I know it always helped me, I, you know, you'd have a coach yell at me for, uh, you know, whatever, taking the wrong step. And I'll be always trying to take the right step. I didn't even know it was wrong. I didn't know it was too far inside. I was trying to push over there, but uh, I just couldn't get it yet. So that was always one of the, one of the weird ones for me, but, um, uh, you know, I, I kind of also wanted to hit on, you know, I know we're kind of coming up on this hour, but I, I always am curious uh, as far as, uh, you know, the guys that have been offense coordinators, the guys that have been head coaches, uh, what are you looking for when you're, you know, going into an interview with a coach? You know, you're interviewing a coach to uh, come on to your staff uh, as, a, as an OC or as a head coach. What were some of the things that, that you were looking for out of those guys? You know, it's kind of the recruiting process, but, but for coaches. Right. It's a great question. And, and before I answer the question, I just I want to use this as an illustration. OK, uh, Alex Grinch is the co-defense coordinator at uh, uh, Ohio State right now. He was on my staff in the secondary. Jerry Montgomery is the defensive line coach for the Green Bay Packers. He was on my staff. Uh, Dan Hammerschmidt is at Oklahoma State. I think secondary coach there. He was on my staff. Marcus Arroyo is the offense coordinator at Oregon. He was on my staff. Jim Harding offensive coordinator, uh, offensive line coach at Utah. He was on my staff. 
Derek Sage is at UCLA. He was on my staff. Um, gosh, I know I'm missing more. Uh, Jamar Kane is at uh, Fresno State defensive line. He was on my staff. Marty English was the uh, uh, DC at uh, Colorado State, was on my staff. Um, Derek LeBlanc is the defensive line coach at Kentucky. He was on my staff. Um, who am I missing? Ronaldo Hill. Ronaldo's uh, the corners coach for the uh, Dolphins. He was on my staff. So I, I say that, and because you asked that question, didn't interview one of those guys on the board about football. Hmm. Not one time. What I wanted is I wanted uh, guys that were loyal. I wanted guys that were great men of character. Uh, that, you know, if they were married, they were, they were great examples of what it was to be a husband, how they treated their wives, how they treated their kids. I wanted good. The, the number one thing I wanted was good people, people that, you know, I would have given any of those guys an opportunity to watch my kids and, and tutor, mentor, uh, be a role model. They were great young coaches that did things right, treated people right, treated players right, uh, treated their wives right that I could count on not to embarrass me, and, 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 and they're still successful to this day. Because I knew this, I, I, I could teach football, you know, the guys there that with the experience, could, we could teach the guys coming in how we wanted the football things done. But if they didn't have high character, um, I, I didn't want them in the program. And, I, and I'm so proud of those guys that, that have worked for me, and, and, and they were all phenomenal football coaches on the field. I mean, obviously, it speaks for, you know, where they're at. But, boy, I'll tell you what, they're even better men off the field. I, uh, I actually got to play for Coach Hammerschmidt. Well, he was the running backs coach at Houston while I was on the offensive line. And, and okay. you're exactly right. I mean, what an awesome, awesome dude he is. And, and he moved over to Oklahoma State, and I couldn't have been happier for him. It, uh, you know, it, if your other coaches were, like I said, half of, half of like Coach Hammerschmidt was as a person, it was um, – that have been an unbelievable uh, staff to be a part of. And they were, they were. I'm telling you, it. it uh, I was just so blessed. There, they were. It was just. It was. It was fun. I could not wait to get in the office. And these, we had a great time together. All great young men and, and uh, just great people. It was a lot of fun. And Dan was, you know, right in the middle of the thick of things. I mean, he's a, you know, wonderful father. Uh, you know, obviously losing his wife was it was a tough deal, but mm -hmm. we, we took him in and and. and you know, with his, his two, he had his two young kids there with him. And I, I said, Dan, listen, they can leave school, come straight to the office every single day. And they can run around here and do whatever they want until you're done with work and go home. And, uh, you know, and the other thing that made it good is, you know, I wasn't big on, on grinding at night. So I made my coaches leave after practice every day. And so we would work hard in the morning. But when practice is over, they had to go home. And I wanted them home so that they could help bathe their kids, give them baths, feed them, have dinner as a family. And, uh, and because of that, you know, even though it was tough living in Wyoming, their wives had great attitudes and, and, and were a great support for our program. Coach, what are some things that you guys <clears throat> maybe did, you know, as, as a staff to kind of build some of that staff camaraderie? Because, I mean, obviously you're probably bringing in guys from a lot of different walks of life, a lot of different programs. It wasn't like you had that, that same continuity that you guys did have at Toledo and Missouri. Well, you know, what, what I did is I had, a, I had a policy manual that I'd put together on the, all the expectations and behaviors that were expected within the program, one for staff, one for players. And, and we just – we lived by that. I, I trained them on that, and, and when they came in, the guys in the program would teach them. And so everybody was on the same page. Everybody did things the same way, you know, and 
<clears throat> you know, guys liked each other on the staff. They hung out together. We had a lot of young coaches. They all built houses in the same area. They would all get together, bring their kids together, and just had a, you know, just great staff camaraderie because we're in a small town. There wasn't much else to do. And so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the big thing was they, they, you know, they got out of there and, they, you know, it wasn't like, you know, they were never at home. I, I wanted them to be home because, shoot, you know, the most important job they had was at home. You know, what we were doing was just the second most important. And so, you know, we, we had a good time and, uh, um, you know, just, uh, you know, I didn't do anything special. And I, I hopefully, you know, I tried to treat guys well and, and, and make it a great experience for them and, and not, you know, grind them to where they hated their job. My, my goal going in there as a head football coach was I wanted my coaches to want to come to work every single day. And not sit there and go, oh, geez, I got to go listen to that SOB again. That's what I want. I want these guys to want to come to work every single day. And that's the environment I tried to create for them. Now, I think that's a great way, obviously, to go into it. And I've always kind of thought that, I, obviously, it's good to grind. I know in college and in all football, you've got a lot of work to get done. But it always seemed like there was, you know, certain staffs that, it just seemed like they were – I don't know if it was busy work or what it was, but it seemed like some of them could have been smarter with their time. So, like you said, they could get home at, at certain times of the night and maybe do work at other times, you know, early in the morning, uh, maybe where their their family wasn't awake anyways already. Well, and that was my thing. Just, you know, work, work efficiently. Uh, can you turn that light back on, please? That's awesome. You know, I, I, you know, my thing is just be efficient in what you're doing. If you have a plan and you're efficient, you know, hours in the office do not equal success. Let me tell you that. But I can guarantee you hours away from home will equal failure. And so, you know, my thing was, listen, we got to get our work done. We're going to get in here early. We're going to work hard. We're not going to waste time throughout the day. And, and there's plenty of time in the day to get our work done. And so, you know, 12 hours, you know what, 12 hours a day should be plenty of time to work and win football games. And I did it at Missouri. We won a lot of games. Uh, you know, it didn't change it when I got to Wyoming. It's, it's worked. It's been successful. And so, you know, you can get both done. You can get it done at work in, in the football office. You can get it done at home. Well, coaches, it's been awesome. Uh, Going to kind of – it's been over, you know, over an hour. So, kind of get into our last question a little bit with you. Um, getting late here. I don't know what time it is in Arizona. I found out earlier this year that – Arizona just goes on its own time. They, we're, they just, we're on our own deal here. We're still a good, you know, 25 minutes away from my bedtime. So we're, it, was, we're, it was crazy. Earlier this year we found out they I just try, go whenever they want. Oh, I yeah. tried explaining yeah. it to Harper. He, Harper couldn't believe it. Boy, we never change. We're not smart enough to fix our clocks, so we just don't change. <laughs> we, we were setting one up with a guy from Arizona, uh, with Charles Bentley. He was out there, and we are like, okay – your mountain time, so here's 7.30. It should be 6.30 there, but they were in Arizona or something, so it hadn't changed. It was a, it was a big ordeal that I had never heard of. So, uh, you know, just still trying to get used to all that. Well, I'll be honest with you. I asked today before I came home. I said, okay, now, hey, if I've got to be on a phone call tonight at 9.30 Central Time, what time is that? <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that's awesome. It sounds like a Texas thing to do. I mean, that sounds like a, a, a Texans thing. It would be to go on their own time. But I think it's awesome. Yeah, they have their own time. That's they, exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, well, Coach, the, the last question I always like to end up with is, is you watch a lot of other teams play, you know, a lot of other offensive lines uh, play. Um, so when you're watching another offensive line, what's some things that they'd be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? Oh, I think just, you know, the, the cohesion of the group playing together, uh, you know, the, the, the synchronicity of the, of the five guys. You know, you always talk about you got to, you know, you got to have five guys like a glove that have got to be all on the same page. And so, you know, just seeing them communicating and, and, and playing well and playing in sync together, you know, you look for. I look for guys, you know, I love, you know, great finishers. I look for guys that want to punish uh, you know, defensive players. And so, you know, because it takes a certain amount of toughness to play this game and, uh, and particularly up in the offensive line. So, you know, I, you know, I look for that synchronicity playing together as a unit and then, you know, then really physical play you know, and, and then to me, physical plays generally happens at the finish. Coach, that's awesome, man. Spoken like a, a true offensive line coach. Uh, you got a couple of fans uh, out there now. We're uh, we're pulling for you guys to get Arizona State rolling again, man. It's always a little bit more fun, I think, when the when the Sun Devils are rolling. I, when I lived out there, it was fun to to go watch them play, especially those night games. It gets rowdy. It's fun. It's fun in the desert. It really is, and and, and you know, Herm's just a, a tremendous person to work for you know has all the same core values as myself and and just it's been phenomenal I'm looking forward to it I'm excited to get things kicked off next week and uh, uh, you know here we are football season's upon us again so hey how about a shout out for upfront uh, offensive line system they can get that on the coach too it's a, it's a system I put together on coaching offensive line that uh, is about a four-hour system that uh, they can find on coach too yeah, what all what all do you have in there, Coach? Uh, I know I've looked through a little bit of it, but but I'm sure all all the coaches would love to kind of just get a little quick little snippet of of what is on there because, like you said, I've looked through all those all of those courses, and it's got to be one of the longest, uh, you know, most concise, a bunch of uh, different stuff on there. There is. It's it's everything from start to finish. It, you know, it's a, it's a, what I what I did when I put it together is I wanted it to be something that a, a you know junior. Uh, junior high school or high school kid, high school coach, a college coach, you know, any level could pull from it and, and, and find things to use. And so, um, you know, it's, it covers everything from, you know, stance to um, every blocking technique that, that we've taught, uh, run blocking, pass blocking, uh, studying video, studying opponents, um, you know, things that we – characteristics you look for in offensive linemen, evaluating offensive linemen. Um, you know, identifying defenses, uh, terminology, it, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's about four hours. It's really everything that I use in coaching the offensive line. And uh, there's drills on there. I've got some young guys demonstrating. Then I've got drills of college players and drills that I've used. And it, hopefully uh, we're talking about adding to the system each and every year. And so, uh, you know, I think it's a great uh, resource and a great tool. That was my goal when I set out to do this. I did it during my year off. So I had the, the time to put it together. So covers everything. And it's not for just a spread offense. It's, it's, it's really technique for playing offensive line. And it's easy to find, you know, they go to, go to coach tube. You can go, uh, obviously you could search the search bar, your name, uh, but you can also go, it's like one of the first ones. As soon as you click football as the sport, it's one of the first one that, that pops up. And if you go to football and then the O-line tab, it is the first one that, that pops up. And it, it was one of the first few ones that, that I looked at. And, and it was um, 
like I said, it was awesome. So if anyone, you know, if, if you have a chance to buy one of them, uh, you know, go, go after that one because it's a, it's a really good one. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and again, I, I think it's a good tool and I hope that, uh, you know, all, all the coaches out there, young people are using it and get one or two things out of it. Coach, that's awesome, man. I really appreciate, you know, the guys that, that do give back to the game and, and help a lot of these, these younger coaches. I mean, you listed off a, a list of, you know, dozens of guys that worked underneath you, but, you know, just, just think of the impact that you're making to, you know, probably hundreds, if not thousands of younger future offensive line coaches out there, you know, with this resource. So really appreciate, you know, having that, that ability to do that. You know, a lot of guys won't take the time to, to do that. They're kind of worried more about themselves. Appreciate you doing that coach. Absolutely. I always, uh, you know, I always believe it's, it's, it's good to give back. I, I wouldn't have anything in my toolbox if I weren't able to steal it from everybody else. So I uh, appreciate that. And it's my pleasure to give back anytime I can. Well, we appreciate it again, coach. And we hope you have a good night. All right, guys. It was great being on with you guys. Best of luck this year. Yes, All right, sir, man. You too. All right. Forks, you guys take care. Forks up, baby. That's right. Forks up. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. We grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.